0: Welcome to Savage Wonder, a podcast about warriors and artists. It's long-form one-on-one conversations with people who have a foot in the world of the artist and a foot in the world of the warrior. It's produced by the Veterans Repertory Theater, which is a creative hub for talented veterans and world-class performers to create compelling live theater and events. My guest today was S.P. Burke. Uh, S.P. Burke has been with Savage Wonder Almost from the beginning, I think he was the first or second poet that we featured on the site. He is nearing retirement at the end of a 20-year career in the Army. He is a veteran of numerous deployments. And he is, of course, an incredibly popular Instagram poet. And he's been one of our favorites at Savage Wonder ever since we started featuring him. Uh, His poetry also was featured when we did our live event in November. So I was thrilled to be able to get him on. And talk to him. It was funny, you know. I'm I'm kind of torn with how the interview went. Um, I ended up talking so much about process and his inspiration and how his poetry had affected him. All of which is good, and I don't regret. Um, but it's funny, we you know we didn't delve into a lot of his military career, and I realized that a lot of that is because is for a couple reasons. One, obviously, he's an intelligence analyst and. You know, there's a lot of stuff he can't talk about, but also, um, you know, when you get to the drama of someone's military service, you know, he's, that's kind of the nature of his poetry. He's busy unpacking all that stuff now. So it felt redundant to kind of go, bro, tell me what it was like the first time you heard bullets whizzing past your head, you know, like, like he, he's already talking about that stuff. So, you know, we didn't get into the weeds on all the nitty gritty of his deployments and all that. And, and i guess i'm i'm kind of thinking out loud here a little bit but i was trying to sort through if that was the right move to make or not and i i'm definitely more comfortable with it than going the other way than prying too much into somebody's uh service and especially but it just felt redundant you know he he really does a great job of mining his experiences for poetic value and so people can understand them and so it just felt like it was a spoiler or redundant for me to sit and ask him about stuff that he's already unpacking and working out for us every day on Instagram. So um, all that, all of my little neuroses aside, fascinating interview. Um, I, I loved that he is what I ended up terming a, a partisan poet. He, he's, he's partisan in his affection and love and appreciation of poetry As the written form that he writes in and he doesn't consider himself a writer as much as he considers himself a poet and i just i i was uh, um i don't know what the right word is i don't want to say amused because that sounds very condescending but i was uh intrigued let's say that that's how he chose to describe himself and and that he really um has invested a lot of time effort and thought into the form of poetry and into the structure of poetry and into the uh, true craft of poetry, which is something you don't always hear about. So I had a great time listening to it. I think you guys will as well, especially to anybody that writes um, casually, formally, in any way, shape, or form, or is interested in the process of writing or in the process of how to unpack the therapeutic value of unpacking experiences through writing. Um, I just found it completely fascinating. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. I'm the artistic director of the Veterans Repertory Theater, and this is The Savage Wonder of SP Burke. Okay, so here we go. What's up, man? Uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, here we are on a Sunday, finally I got to tell you I'm really um excited to be able to talk to you. You were one of the first poets that we took on to Savage Wonder and um I've just always I think personally connected with a lot of your stuff and it just it it's meant a lot to me and so to kind of meet the man behind the curtain is kind of a big deal for me, man. I, I really I'm, appreciate that. No, I'm I'm really excited and I'm going to try not to fanboy and like have you <laughs> plumb deeper meeting out of some of your poems because I like have a little hit list of things I'm curious about. Absolutely. Um, dude, it's great to finally meet you though. So as we talked about, so you generally go by Burke, right? You're still doing the military thing of like going by the last name and I do. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Okay. Got you. And are you comfortable saying where you are now?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I live on Fort Meade, but I work in the, uh, national capital region.
0: Okay. Gotcha. All right. Right on. Um, how do you like Meade?
1: it's peaceful compared to, uh, compared to DC Arlington area. It's, uh, it's definitely peaceful.
0: It's uh, manicured. That's what I remember about. It. It's just very manicured. Yeah. Always seemed.
1: Very old, quiet post. So, yeah. Uh, I like that quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess I, I, I never really start chronologically and I probably should. So let me start, let me, let's jump there first okay. off. So, You've been in the military now. How many years, roughly? Uh,
1: just shy of twenty.
0: Just shy of twenty. Okay. Was this your first job out of high school?
1: No, no. I actually, oh god, I had a, <laughs> I had a lot of jobs. Okay. Um, at one point, I was actually working three jobs. Um, so that became <laughs> it became untenable, uh, and I, you know, I decided to join the military. I actually had my first son uh, when I was eighteen so working three jobs at that time to try to provide put uh, put food on the table wow. uh it was it was pretty brutal pretty hectic um and uh you know i i decided hey i got to get something with benefits something that's going to last um so
0: you were working you were working like jobs you weren't working like career jobs you were working like oh, no. okay gotcha yeah, like, yeah you're uh, scrambling
1: so, yeah okay. so construction fast food i did uh i had a night shift at uh, a place called Wabash national it's, they produce uh, semi-trailer parts, okay. but yeah, at my worst, I was doing three jobs. I probably worked about 18 hours a day. Uh, all I did was come home and sleep, uh, wake up and, and do it all over again. Um, and I, and, you know, and I, where I was, I this?
0: was this was this Illinois, uh, Wisconsin, uh, what's Indiana, Indiana, Indiana. Okay, I knew it was so, something um, Midwest. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Lafayette, all right. Indiana. The gotcha. all my right. wife and I are both from there.
0: And um was that what triggered the move into the military it was like, Hey, let's get benefits. Let's get something stable and career ish.
1: Yeah, I think so. The, the big thing for me is, uh, when I was in high school, I was kind of, uh, I wasn't as active as I should have been. Uh, I was a little bit of a hooligan. So I, I had put myself in a position where I could not get into college. Uh, Indiana yeah. has this crazy thing called core 40. You have to have 40, you know, specific hours. And, and one of those was language. Uh, there was no way I could finish the language requirement. So I just, I went to my career counselor, guidance counselor said, what the heck do I have to do to graduate? Um, So I actually graduated six months before the rest of my class. They still let me walk with my class, but I I left school in December instead of May uh, with 38 credit hours instead of 40. So full degree and everything. Um, But you, you just, uh, if you're, if you have an education from Indiana and you don't have those 40 credit hours, you can't get into any college. So I, I think the military was—we kind of looked at it as a college option. Um, and then somehow, I actually had a friend, my first, uh, my first tour, who said, "I'm going to become an." He called it an unintentional lifer, and that is certainly what I became—a a unintentional lifer. I, I was good at the job. Uh, I excelled you know, I, I finally found a place I, I fit in. Yeah.
0: So, so is, let's, let's take it in chronological order. Then I guess mm-hmm. when you went in the military had nine eleven happened yet, or was it just before 11?
1: It had actually just happened. So I actually think that's roughly around the time Cass got pregnant with Corbin. Okay. So, uh, we were living in a, this crappy little apartment at the time, uh, sleeping on a, a futon. So our, our couch was also our bed, but, uh, You know, I remember waking up and and Cass is kind of freaking out and not she's not a super emotional person. So she's Uh not losing her mind. But, you know, she's like, hey, a a plane just hit the World Trade Center. And I think it was a big plane. And so I said, I go terrorists and I just rolled over and fell back asleep. I uh, I woke up again when the uh, right before the second plane hit. And I told her, yeah, absolutely, freaking terrorists. Um,
0: and, and you were in the military at this point. So no, you no, had. No. I, oh, you I was, weren't?
1: I was not yet.
0: Really? And, Jesus. Yeah.
1: And so I had told her, um, you know, I, I had always thought about the military and she despised the idea. Um, she really, really did not want to do the military.
0: Um, and why? What, 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 just fear, just like, oh, shit, that's going to be a hard life. Or what yeah, specifically was it? She didn't want to move away from home. Oh, okay.
1: So yeah, sure. uh, yeah that, that was the, the main driver for her. So anyway, uh, nine months pass roughly, we have our, uh, we have our son. I'm working all these jobs. It's just not tenable. I go to the, uh, the recruiter, I get on something called DEP, the delayed entry program, and I'm just waiting, waiting for a spot. I had originally signed up as a, uh, Canon crew member. And then I switched that to uh, 13 Fox uh, Mm. Fire Support Ranger, Mm -hmm. uh, which I wish if I could go back and do anything in my career I'd have done that. But uh, anyway, all of those freaked Cassie out, and she's you know, hey, I don't want you doing a combat job. You know, you know we're going to war. Blah 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 blah. So I settled on at the time 96 Bravo Intel Analyst. Uh, Now it's uh, 35 Fox. Uh, because I couldn't be a '97 Bravo, uh, which was CI. You have to be—you had to be 21 to be able to join oh, that.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. So I—you I could, could have done Interrogator, though, right? You could have done human. I could have, yeah, I could that, have done right? human,
1: but for whatever reason, that just didn't appeal to me. Huh. Um, okay. So yeah, I uh, I signed up as the intel analyst, and then I I just go back to my life. Right? I'm waiting on this slot to open up. I get a call. I'm working at Burger King at the time, my brother's actually the manager. Um, I get a call from my recruiter, middle of the day, middle of the shift, uh, you know, lunchtime. So we're all going crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: And he says, hey, congratulations, you're going to basic training. Uh, and I say, okay, when? He says, uh, September 22nd, September 17th. I've not married my wife yet. She is still uh, just my girlfriend. Anyway, in next to no time, uh, we somehow orchestrated a wedding. We got the magistrate to come in on a Saturday, which they never do. We got all the blood work done. In the F do. I mean, it was wow. insane. It was Holy whirlwind. Yeah. My car literally blew the transmission on the way to. They thought they thought I had bailed on the wedding because my uh, my car blew the transmission on the way. I had to flag down a ride after walking like a mile in the rain.
0: And instead, it's just a metaphor. They didn't realize. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. Talk about a gear so, shift in your life. Yeah, yeah. It's like everything anthropomorphizes into that. That's it, so funny. It,
1: really, <laughs> it was insane. And it literally grenaded. Pieces of the transmission came through the vehicle, <laughs> through the roof. It was. uh <laughs>
0: A harbinger a, of things to come. Yeah, yes. right, right. Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. Um, and I mean, now that we can look back and laugh, it's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure at the time, that was a righteous pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So so you got to where you went to Jackson, I'm assuming, right? I did. Yeah. Relaxed okay. in Jackson. Okay. And then where was your first duty station? So first duty station was third uh, ID, uh,
1: straight out of uh, AIT. I missed uh, OIF one by. 17 days or i guess technically 16 so i arrived on uh, april 17th and the last bird went out on april 1st so i sat around on rear d they really didn't know what to do with me eventually i went to the ace uh ended up working on the uh trojan system which i don't know if you know what that is but uh fun i guess is the way to say it eventually i went to uh g2 ops uh Became the right hand guy of my sergeant major. Uh love this dude, but can't find him for the life of me. He mm. uh, he has way too common of a name. Um oh, so he yeah. just kind of disappeared, right? And I, I can't yeah. find him, but it's uh Sergeant Major Michael Allen. That guy taught me uh so much about being an NCO. Um we did a bunch of convoys together. Um it was a it was a good time. It's a good time. I, so- I actually enjoyed Iraq.
0: So where were you in Iraq when you first went over?
1: Uh, Baghdad proper. So we actually, we drove up from uh, Kuwait. I think we were actually one of the last main division elements to do that. So this was OIF-3. Drove up from Kuwait. It was like a two or three day drive for only something like 300 miles. It was fairly miserable, freezing cold, you know, and we're driving up in the the hillbilly armor at the time, just the the little welded doors. We've got... Mm -hmm. Sandbags down on the floor in case we hit hit anything. It was uh, it was quite a trip.
0: Yeah, it was the duct tape convoy, right? Yes, yeah, it. Yeah, 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 it was. yeah, yeah. So so let me um, pause and let's sidebar then about mm-hmm. the artist side of you. Did that even exist at that time? Had you been writing in high school? What was your artistic background yeah, up so, until that point?
1: Yeah, so I had I I don't know when I stumbled upon actually writing myself. I know as a kid, I somehow found a way to spend a lot of time in the library uh, while school was going on. I don't know how I pulled
0: that off um, but I, that's I the last like, place they want you to be during school yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I feel like I was always in the library, but uh,
1: at some point somewhere sixth through eighth grade, I started writing not entirely sure when I know I wrote a poem it would have been when I was thirteen uh, when my grandfather passed away uh, which was, one of the only times my dad ever framed something I did, he still has it framed actually. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that just, uh, kind of sparked something in me like, Hey, maybe I've got something here. And so I wrote for quite a while, uh, wrote all the way up until I joined the military actually wrote, um, sporadically, uh, through the deployment. I've got a couple of, a couple of poems from that time, but then, uh, a, I lost a lot of that poetry, and then B, um, that you kind of got to pack that part of you away. Uh, it's pretty hard to be open emotionally when you're doing the job that we do. Um, so I, I probably didn't write for a solid 17 years, at least, um, maybe even 18. And I stumbled upon uh, Dead Reckoning Collective. Can I can I say that in that? Sure. Oh totally. okay. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I stumbled upon Dead Reckoning Collective uh right after they had released their first anthology of uh, uh poetry. I was like, man, there's there's actually other people out there like me. Uh so I started following them. Uh at as I followed them, I found some of these other writers, uh, and I just uh, kind of slid back into writing. Uh tried to open that part of myself back up and, uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So let me, let me unpack, um, some of that cause I've got a lot of questions. So when you started writing, did you find that you were writing because you were just imaginative? Did you find that you were writing because it was a reaction to emotional events? Did you find that it was unleashing a part of yourself that you couldn't otherwise unleash? Or was it like all the above and just any excuse to write? That was just a standard outlet for you.
1: Yeah, I would say all of the above. Some some of it is a little imaginative. Most of it is uh, this is going to sound cliche, but processing trauma. Really, like a, a lot of it is uh, working through what I've been through, what I've seen, um, how that makes me feel. Yeah, a, a lot of it is me uh, trying to unpack stuff that I've I've packed real deep over the years.
0: I could definitely see that now in your writing. There's a, I think that comes across really clear, I guess. Um, let me start with where you, st- where you started with. Um, I mean, as a kid, when you're sixth through eighth grade and you're starting to go, Hey, there's something here. I'm getting feedback. I'm getting some reaction from it. What itch did that scratch for you? So that's,
1: that's a really good question. Wow. To be honest, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I, it, uh, even back then, I think it's some of the only times that I feel peaceful is when I'm writing. It's kind of my sacred space is, uh, when I cocoon myself up in in my head and just pour out on paper. That's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a sacred thing to me. Um, and so I think, I think that's what it was. It was, uh, giving me time or space to, uh, to be genuine. Uh, I feel like a lot of life you're not allowed to be genuine. Sure. Um, you know, just to fit in with everybody. Right. Like if, if I just scream in the middle of the subway, cause I want to, right. Everybody's right. going to look at me like I've lost my mind, but right.
0: uh, it's frowned upon. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, just little things like that, you know, it's, uh, I can be my truest self uh, when I'm writing uh, and, and I don't feel like we have a lot of opportunity to do that in, in real life.
0: So let me ask you, and I'm jumping way ahead. I'm, uh, this is why I suck at going in chronological order, <laughs> but, uh, but, but it prompts the question that I've wondered both with the nature of your writing and how you've described what writing means to you and because of your professional job and your background. I'm surprised that you write under your own name, and yeah. that you're as open as you are with yourself. I, 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 it has to have been a conscious choice. Can you just talk through about the the thought process behind that, and kind of the courage it takes to do that um, with all those factors?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I, I guess it's what I just said. It's uh, it's being genuine. I feel like if I had come up with a screen name or a you know a geez Louise! I can't think of what it's called right now, but uh, pseudonym. pseudonym. Thank yep. you. Um, um, if I if I was writing under a pseudonym, it just wouldn't be. It would lack some of the authenticity that I I crave, you know. So I'm. Uh, yeah, I, I think it would just lack authenticity, and I, I, I could not do that. Uh, it, that would be uh, disingenuous to uh, to myself, you know. Um, like I've actually looked into copywriting before. I'm not sure I could do that writing under somebody else's name. I I know it's a great career, but, uh, I I feel like when I write, I have to, I have to write as me, not as, uh, you know, some other creation.
0: I think I find that fascinating. I really do. Um, because I, I mean, I'll just be honest. I mean, I, I I struggled with that a lot. And to your point about having to shut off the artistic side of yourself to do the job for extended periods of time, um, I was talking with Dex, who uh, I know, you know, through reputation, if no other way, um, I was talking with her the other day and she was talking about... Um, how not writing was like not pruning a tree and the tree just keeps going and going and going. And then when it comes time to prune, you're like, son of a bitch, that's a lot of branches. I got to go through. (laughs) There's just too much foliage. Right. And, and, and that's, I, I, imagine you probably felt some of that after 17 years of not writing. I know I certainly felt that in my life, but for me, I, I, I hear your point about having that safe cocoon where you can be yourself and you're not just screaming out loud on the subway but i also i personally and and maybe this is my character flaw i always felt like well if i scream out loud on paper but it's still my name now friends neighbors everybody else go oh you son of a bitch you basically would have screamed out loud you would have been that guy on yeah. the subway but now we get to see it's on paper instead and we can still hold that against you or, or resent you for it and i don't know maybe that's my own neuroses but i was always like yeah no i i don't i don't want that judgment i want to be able to just deal with people in this facade as i need to deal with them and then and then keep it separate. Um, so it, it fascinates me that you made such a different choice and i find that, you know, bold and a, uh, I, I guess everyone's mileage is different. Um, but I, I find that a, a really interesting logic.
1: I, yeah. I, I appreciate that. I, I can definitely see the utility of, uh, writing under a pseudonym for, for other people. Uh, just for me, I, I really just don't think that would work. I, uh, um, I think I'm at a point in my life where I am yearning. I don't know if that's the word I want to use. I, I want to be exposed. Mm. Uh, I feel like I have been so long behind the curtain. And and so like my, you know, even my parents know almost nothing about me and what I do. Uh, wow. You, you know, it, it's just it's so, like my dad um, mm. will explain if people ask what I do, he'll say, well, he's still in the army, but he wears a suit and he works in DC. And that's like, the, you know, that's all <laughs> so that's all they really know about me. And it's, uh, right. it's a weird way of me, uh, showing people my true self and seeing if they accept me and if they do great. And if they don't, you know, more power to them. Uh, I I'm okay with not being accepted. You know, I,
0: how many more years do you have in the army or do you want to do in the army?
1: I'm actually in the process of retiring already.
0: Okay. Um, okay.
1: So I, I had done a lot of thinking, a lot of math. And if I didn't make E8, uh, I had determined that there's probably no way I was going to make E8. Um, cause I, I mean, I've done everything I can. And then the board came out with, uh, and their, you know, how they do the notes in the board afterwards So the board came out and said, if you've done nominative assignments back to back, right, that's like one of the reasons they wouldn't pick you up. Oh, crap, you know, because I've done two nominative assignments back to back. And there's just, uh, you know, I almost had my bachelor's degree at the time, all sorts of leadership experience, uh, deployed as a a sergeant major twice. We call them senior enlisted advisors uh, for the J2. You know, so all this experience and still not getting picked up you know, I'm like, Hey,
0: it's time to, time to move on to something else. Did that make what we're talking about with pseudonyms and exposing yourself and all that easier of a decision, or was it a separate line of reasoning altogether?
1: No, I, I think it definitely, I think it definitely made it easier. I had a bit of a, I, I would almost say I had a bit of a midlife crisis, to be honest, when I didn't get picked up again yeah um that was a, it was a pretty soul crushing event for me that uh you know you're you're not good enough for the yep. army yeah um and shortly after processing that it, that's when I, I think that's right around when i started writing again um yet i had determined that this me was not dying but would be packed away yeah um and it was time to rediscover uh, who I am or who I could be.
0: And the first step of that it seems like and I'm 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 playing amateur psychiatrist with your writing <laughs> but it seems to be unpacking who you've been now for the past 17 20 years, you know, and going okay, let let me go through and mine this. Now I don't ha- now I don't have to repress/discipline slash myself to condition myself for some other assignment, some other operational tour or anything like that. Now it's a matter of going all right, let's start Doing some introspection and, and digging in deep to for to this stuff because that's going to be clearing out the carbon for whatever else comes after yeah. that. Is that right?
1: That has absolutely been the case. It's uh uh to say it's therapeutic would, would be an understatement. Right. Um, I thoroughly enjoy the time that I get to spend writing, uh, which is episodic at best, but I I do thoroughly enjoy the time that I get to, uh tear things apart and, and put them back together in a way that that makes sense to me. Uh, I think I've got quite a bit of that to do, but eventually I would, I enjoy the war poetry right now. Um, but eventually I would like to be able to move past that into, you know, different, uh, you know, just different motivations. Uh, you know, maybe I'll always be a war poet. Um, I, I know there's quite, quite a few in the community who sure. are, are still pouring out. Um, And, you know, we'll see, Um, we'll see, but I have some other goals and we'll see, we'll see where they go.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like, I, I, I imagine it's sort of like uh, what I think Billy Joel said when they said, why don't you still write hit music? And he's like, I I just don't hear the music anymore. You know, like you, you write what's in your head. And if it's not, once it's out of your head, it's kind of out. You know, yeah. you squeezed all the toothpaste out. There's nothing left in there. Now it's time to fill up with something else, and all the rest that life has to offer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I would. I would like to see uh, if I can get to that point. I think it'll take quite a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got. Uh, I, I probably have close to 500 poems uh, or fraction fractional poems that I'm working on. Um, So there's quite a there's quite a bit there that I would eventually like to to publish. Yeah, there's definitely quite a bit there um, that I could I could go for probably the next decade writing easily, uh, just cleaning some of that up and, uh, uh, you know, putting it out there. One of the one of the things I'm most uh, intrigued by is actually uh, children's poems. I would very much like to be uh, the next Shel Silverstein. Wow. Um, That's uh, which is funny because he was never really. Yeah, that just happened later in life where I was like damn you know maybe I could actually do this because i have I've, I'm uh pretty good at uh creating worlds in my head and so maybe I could uh maybe I could create characters like he's created and so I've got a few of those already that i'm I'm working towards
0: and what's the, what's the motivation behind that is it because of the war poetry or is it in spite of it and like hey once I get this out of my system it'd be fun to transition to Children's poems and and that kind of thing.
1: Not even necessarily that. It, uh, just to be known as a poet, I guess, is a, really oh. my real goal. Okay. Because um, I I don't I'm not sure I would just continue writing uh, children's poetry like Shel gotcha. Silverstein did. It might just be that one book, and that that's all. Okay. it ever is. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's it's just to broaden the aperture as much as as much as possible to challenge myself both, uh, artistically, emotionally. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, the, that's a real goal.
0: No, that makes sense. So not to take anything away from dead reckoning collective and the inspiration they provided to you, but you were writing poetry way before then, you know, when you had been writing. So I guess let's start there. Why poetry? Why did poetry appeal to you early on? And did you try other forms of writing?
1: Yeah, I did. I actually, uh, back in high school, I took a creative writing class. I always admired Ray Bradbury. I uh, wanted mm. to be able to write visually the way that he writes. Mm. So I, I have dabbled in uh, science fiction before for school, but never uh, never long term, never uh, uh, never something that I'm, you know, like I'm not working on a book right now. in sci-fi right. or something like that. So I, I have tried other forms of writing. I do an insane amount of academic writing. Sure. Uh, as I'm, you know, trying to finish my bachelor's. That's uh that's super intense stuff. I cannot wait to be past that. Uh and then What's obviously your bachelor's
0: in? What do you write what do you get in your bachelor's? Uh, environmental in? science. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, uh completely changing past. But wow. uh, I'm still four classes away and uh, you know, always the indecisive guy i guess i'm actually uh, i'm actually looking at going back to school full time when i get out of the military potentially sure. and actually dropping the uh, uh the current bachelors and going for a uh it's a master's of science in uh well it's a bachelor's and master's of science program in uh technical writing with a minor in creative writing so
0: interesting yeah uh, and is we'll that is, is is that a um is that kind of a, what's the, I'm trying to think of the right word, because I don't want to say SOP, but is that kind of a a tip of the cap to the fact you got to make a living and hey, technical writing will at least keep you writing and allow you to make money while you get your free time for creative writing? That's that, is that is, kind of the logic?
1: That's precisely what the logic okay. is. Yeah. Originally, uh, the reason I was going after environmental science was uh, to work at, hopefully, at Hoosier National Forest. Mm. Found out. Uh, I did my research way too late on what that job actually entails, um, and there's pretty much no way I can get that job unless I start all the way at the bottom, which is you know doable and manageable with uh, retirement income. Um, but I'm I'm not sure I want to start at the back-breaking trail maintenance level yep. yeah. uh, after right. a career of beating the crap out of my body.
0: Right. Right. So. Now, I imagine that you focus on poetry because that has been the spark that kind of reignited your love of writing, right? Or is there another, I guess, why does poetry continue to intrigue you now? Is it, uh, I'm not even gonna hypothesize. Why why is it? Why does it intrigue you?
1: Uh, I think it's a dying art. I think far too few people do it. Uh, Somebody has a quote, I'm gonna jack it all up, but it's something to the effect of, um poets got smart and became songwriters right uh, so yeah, um, yeah.
0: so you said uh, you know the poets got smart and became songwriters, and you haven't you've decided to say nope i'm 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 going down with this ship
1: oh yeah, i'm uh, definitely going down with the ship um <clears throat> pardon me, uh one of my actually probably my favorite poet is uh um Edgar Allan Poe, I love. The way he writes, I love the visual. Uh, st- I love visual storytelling in uh, very short, succinct <laughs> phrases. I think Emily Dickinson is excellent at that as well. Um, obviously, by reading my poetry, you see that most of it is uh, uh, more classical mm. um, than than most. But I've uh, I've been challenging myself to. To get away from you know iambic pentameter or you know this many right. syllables per line you know so I've I've kind of tried to open myself up to free verse and with great irony uh, those are the poems that connect the most with people and they're the ones I I have the most challenging time writing uh, while feeling authentic I, I think that's the that's the big thing there uh, I oh. yeah I, I could write yeah, I'm sure I could write stuff that would get tons of views. And, um, you know, like, uh, I'm not going to be not going to point out writers, but the two writers I think about a lot that uh, I actually wrote a poem about. So if people want to dig into it, they can, they can figure out who I'm talking about. But these two particular writers, uh, they feel, and and perhaps I'm putting judgment where I shouldn't, but they feel uh, very disingenuous to me like they write to to sell uh and yeah. i'm not i'm not writing to sell if i do uh, great i mean awesome bonus points but uh i i'm writing to heal not and not just myself but others um i, I hope i make that level of impact and honestly it's Arguably the only reason I would ever publish a book is so that hopefully it would end up in a library somewhere that, you know, some lost kid or lost vet stumbles upon um and and it helps them. Uh, that's that's really that's the core of why I write.
0: So when you're talking, I'm 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 gonna poke the bear a little bit. When you're talking mm-hmm. about the writers that are writing commercially mm-hmm. or, or or for the audience, I assume you're talking about like veteran poets that are, are writing that way or are you talking about just nope. commercial uh, writers in general
1: no yeah definitely not talking about vet poets okay. um I I feel most of that is authentic and uh,
0: it seems so yeah yeah and and, and who yeah. yeah
1: who would I be to um to challenge their experience I, I, I'm talking about the poems Poems
0: like commercial, uh, yeah, 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 that yeah, are yeah. like yep.
1: uh, she is beautiful and she is fire, and that's the whole thing. And then the person calls himself a poet, like
0: right, right? Right, right, like, right, right, you know, right. that's
1: uh, it's right challenging for me to
0: accept, right? Describe the beauty of a tit, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, I got you, right? <laughs> that's easy, right? We're all motivated by that, we're all poets, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... I mean, no, listen, listen, I think there's a lot to that, and it's it actually, I mean, contra the, the point of poetry dying, I think. I think poetry is on a sharp spike of an increase, but in the veteran community, it's not happening oh, yeah. in the Ivy League necessarily. It's happening right. in the veteran community because it is exactly that. It is the, the autobiographical slash therapeutic slash um, uh, uh, curiosity, uh, maybe curiosity of the self and the exploration of that. That makes it genuine and that and that people are, I think, feeding on each other like you're getting inspired oh, yeah. by DRC and everybody else is getting inspired by you. And it's just snowballing because people are going, oh, shit, this is a great way to mainline some degree of self-knowledge and unpack some things for ourselves in ways that people that haven't had extreme life experiences might have to fake it a little bit or just or not. But it might not grab people. There's There might not be anything. You know, you might just describe an orgasm because it's like, well, that was about the most exciting thing that's happened in the last for, for three right. years to me. You know, it's like, what else do I have to talk about? You know, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not denigrating that. I love a good piece exactly. of erotica yeah, exactly. as much as anybody, but I'm just, you know, it, it it's, it's, it's a very different lane um, than what I think vets seem to be gravitating towards. So, I guess, I mean, uh, let's talk technically, if you don't mind, a little okay. bit. I'd love to know just, you said you, t- you write sporadically, and obviously. When you're doing so much other work and you're, and you got a job that still requires you to not phone it in, when do you write? What's your schedule like? How do you, what do you force yourself to do?
1: It's uh, chaotic at best. Um, oftentimes, when I come home, uh, depending on when I actually get home, uh, I'll, I'll spend a couple minutes trying to write uh, before, really, before I've done almost anything else. Uh, I'll kind of unpack from the day uh, go outside, um, and try to write. Uh, that's pretty much what a typical day consists of. Uh, sometimes that will turn into, it's crazy. You know, sometimes I can sit down and I'll write 10, 15, 20 poems in a matter of an hour, hour and a half. Um, other times I'm working on one poem that entire time. Uh, but those, those days are exceedingly rare. Most of the time, it's a it's an idea that I capture real quick while I'm driving on voice notes or whatever. Or, you know, as I'm doing homework, I, I pull up my, I've got a one note that has a bunch of poetry in it. Uh, and so I'll just type something real quick there. Just, you know, clever things that I'm thinking uh, that I would like to turn into. Uh, I'd like to turn into something. One of them, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin my
0: own. Uh, <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no spoilers. Yeah. But. No. Well, well, so are you juggling? Well, first off, how do you know when you're done writing for the day? So on a given Tuesday, what's, what's your what's your end point? What's your desired end state with it?
1: Uh, I'm out of gas. That's that's the big okay. thing. Uh, it's a very, uh, uh, damn, I can't think of the word I wanted to use. Uh, you feel it in your core. Like okay, I'm I'm spent. Like I've got nothing else that I can put towards towards actually writing. Uh, it's very. I feel like something's almost pulling me along as I'm writing, and when that pull stops, I know it's it, I know it's time to stop because I'm I'm going to force something, and it, it's not going to be. It's not going to be what I want it to be because it will be too crafted.
0: If that makes sense, so that makes a ton of sense, but I can see a, a problem that most people, I think, and by people, I mean, literally that people that aren't necessarily writers, but might even aspire to be writers would run into, which is, Hey, I just got off work. I mean, talking about running, I gas. I'm out of gas to start with, so I'm not even going to start, but do you have a lot of those days or do you feel compelled to start the second you, what you get home anyway?
1: I- to be fair, I think I do have a lot of those days, but I, I liken it to uh, like Thanksgiving, right? You, uh, no matter how much you eat, you always have room for dessert.
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Well, no, no matter how exhausting my day is, I always have room for poetry. I just have to uh, get outside of myself to give myself the space and time to actually do it, right? Uh, to not be overcome with. Uh, you whatever's going on in the house or my dogs or that you know we homeschool two of our kids mm-hmm. um my own school uh you know prepping cheese prepping for work the next day the amount of uh insanely high level meetings uh, that we have uh the amount of stars that walk through that building is, uh, yeah 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 <laughs> sure can be nerve-wracking uh, sure can definitely be nerve-wracking because you, you want to make sure last thing you want to do is be in front of a three star and look like a you know an ass hat. so yeah
0: yeah and it's like no you don't understand sir i got this poetry thing i'm doing you know i, I just not all Probably. here today you know you on instagram you should check me out exactly honestly. yeah 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 well so i i guess so it sounds though like it's a very positive motivation like it's not like you're either past or you never had the Iron, you never needed to summon that ironclad discipline to say, no matter what bombs are falling, I'm going to write at least 30 minutes today. Like, it doesn't seem like that's your mindset. You're going, no, I I, I thought you're now I thought you're going to liken it to working out. So when you said Thanksgiving, it was like, oh, well, shit, everybody wants more room for (laughs) pumpkin pie. Nobody wants room for squats. You know, so I was like, so the fact that you're looking at it positively like that seems um, seems remarkable. Uh, and envious, I'm I'm envious of it. That that's a hell of a thing. Um, when you write, do you ever set time limits for yourself or is it really just that internal? Hey, I'm out of gas. I'm done for the day.
1: Yeah, I, I, I really don't. And, uh, Mm. and, you know, thank God for my wife who takes, (laughs) takes care of everything. Uh, You know, she knows if I'm like, if I'm in the zone, unless she really needs me, um, for something crazy, she just lets me, uh, she lets me be where I need to be, uh, to write. Um, and she's, she's also really good at, uh, she's really good at noticing when I'm, I'm going down a a dark path. Sometimes writing can, it can expose some, some real deep wounds, um, that puts you in a, can, can put you in a dark place for a while. Um, and she's, she's real good at, uh, redirecting my focus when she sees me slide in that direction.
0: What was the train? I mean, if you can speak for her, what was Mm -hmm. the, or maybe not even for her, but just for your household in general, what was the transition? Like when you started writing again and you're like, Hey, by the way, I know I haven't done this for 17 years, but I'm going to need a little bit of bandwidth at the end of the day for myself to write. How was that received generally by you Um, and by your family?
1: Uh, for me, it was actually pretty challenging. I it, it's real hard to place myself first.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: I I normally do not do that. I I prioritize everyone else. Um, so you know, placing myself first for any amount of time was uh, a bit awkward at first, to be honest. Sure. But for the family, you know, my my kids are much older, so they're all doing their own thing anyway, and uh, and and Cass has been good about. Uh, like I said, just giving me the space and time. Uh, she's fully supported me the whole way. She just, the only thing she worries about is uh, potentially getting me potentially having fangirls.
0: And so I, I,
1: I told her those I'm poetry like, hey,
0: groupies. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm like, yeah, it's not gonna, it's not like Poe was walking around with the, uh, you know, a bunch of groupies behind. I him. don't know. He
0: didn't have Instagram. Who knows? Who knows <laughs> what could have happened? <laughs> well, so I, I'm going to ask kind of a weird question, but, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's fair considering that so much of your writing is unpacking your own experiences. And and I'm projecting probably a little bit, but it's I, I would imagine after 17 years of not writing that there's a lot of caps waiting to be popped in, mm-hmm. in there. Do you feel like since you started writing again, you've become, I hate to use this word, but I can't think of a better phrase, more actualized do you feel like holy shit i'm more of a 360 degree person now i'm not so much of a sliver of you know i'm not walling off parts of my personality do you feel that is there has there been that i
1: yeah i think i absolutely do i i feel um i i wrote i actually wrote a poem about it uh the the joker um about you know the faces that we wear um and I I feel like I've finally gotten to take off that face, and it no longer I go back to the whole EA thing, right? It's been right. enormously rewarding to know that this life is coming to an end, because there is no, um, I mean, it, I could really screw myself if I wrote something classified, but outside right. of right. outside of that, there's no way that my being genuine to to who I feel like I am as a human being. Is going to in any way negatively impact my future uh, yep. because my future is no longer tied to my ability to remain anonymous or mm-hmm. uh, you know a whole host of things um, and so that has been enormously freeing and yeah to, to be actualized I think that's a great way of great way of putting it.
0: So, if you could go back and to when you really had to close things off and when you're on a high op tempo and all that um, 17 ish years ago, would you have done it differently? Would you have tried to keep writing or do you still think, yeah, that, that you gotta, you gotta separate those worlds. It's it's too hard to juggle.
1: I I think the two definitely had to be separated. You know, one is too violent and chaotic. um, And to. I I personally, I mean, I admire people who would be able to do this, but I personally lack the skill, I think, to be able to to be open emotionally while you're exposed to some real dark, like really dark stuff. Um, So I I definitely think the two had to be separated. I used to think being a better soldier would make me a better father. And, Mm. uh, you know, I don't even believe that anymore. I know there are people that do, there's a, it's either a major or a lieutenant colonel in the Marines. I follow, I, f- I forget.
0: Oh, Schumann. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah.
1: So he, he posted something about how, uh, you know, his, his work makes him a better father. I, I, I admire that because it it does not for me. Um, yeah. the more I pour myself into, I've always been pretty tunnel visioned. Uh, and maybe that's why I need that time that cast gives me, right. Because I'm, I, I can focus on this one thing at this one time. Um, and so I'm either I'm in soldier mode or I'm in father mode or I'm in poetry mode. Yep, yep. Um, and to rip me out of any one of those, um, I mean it can be done, but it might take me a moment to reset. And then, you know, I, I, I can be there. I, I guess the good thing for me, which as much as I hate it is I have an exceptionally long drive to work. Um, And so that allows me to get in and out of those modes. Mm. So I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't bring work into the house, or I don't bring the house into work because it can be, be pretty chaotic here. Uh, Sometimes I've got uh, two adult uh, kids living with me, Um, and then uh, my youngest is just about to turn fifteen. So my my middle, she just turned eighteen and my oldest is uh, 19. So it's, wow. uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, can,
1: it can be crazy here. Sure.
0: Sure. Well, then I, I guess, let me ask this the other way. Do people that you work with on a day in day out basis, do they notice a change? Have they noticed a change in you since you started writing?
1: Wow. Uh, very good question. Um, I would say I am more open and vulnerable at work if, if that's the right word to use. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm probably more sociable. That might be an even oh. better word to use. Um, so if, if they've noticed anything that that's probably what it would be. Um, but with, uh, you know, all the crap with retirement, I I'm less than, uh, six months right now, um, from terminal. Uh, yeah, from terminal leave starting. Um, so I'm, I'm out of the office quite a bit with medical appointments and you know, just all that pre retirement stuff yep. that you're doing. Uh, and then my team is uh, uh, awesome team. Um, but what we do is uh, pretty challenging, pretty uh, uh, deep thinking stuff. So we're we spend a lot of time at work reading and then talking about that, not a whole mm-hmm. lot of time uh you know chit-chatting about our weekend or whatever
0: right right but you haven't noticed kind of that bleed over yeah, yeah there hasn't been well there's been a, it seems like there's been a bit but yeah it basically hasn't been a wholesale like holy shit this is night and day like what the hell happened to you two years ago where suddenly like you're just a different person now you're like you're all more open you're you know, like there's not there hasn't been that kind of transformation
1: I, I don't know about that actually I uh Maybe there was, but it was it was so long ago.
0: <laughs> I guess
1: two years isn't that long, but it feels like a long time ago. That right. perhaps I I haven't noticed, but I I would definitely say I'm a, a different soldier now than I I used to be. Um, way different, uh, way better at taking care of myself, uh, better mm. at setting limits, uh, better at better at saying no to the crazy and a uh, a command that gets to yes. Um, you've got to, uh, you got to know what you're capable of and what your team's capable of. And there's a, uh, um, professional way to, to do that. And I've, I've gotten way better at, uh, at doing that, at defending the team at pushing the team. Um, yeah, I I feel like I've gotten, okay significantly better at that
0: yeah no i I, okay that makes sense so i'll I'll take it off you because i i I sound like i'm going to be dr phil or something here and then if i keep (laughs) going down this path but um but i I do find it interesting but i i want to get to the other thing that stood out in when we were talking about just the craft itself so your love of the classic poets where did that come from how did you relate to them so much more than somebody more modern what's the story there
1: uh I think I just liked the flow. I liked uh, the predictability that became unpredictable. I guess that's the Mm. best way to say it, right? Like you could read Mm. a poem and think it's going to go a certain way and then they drop a different word in there. uh, And it just blows your mind. Right. Cause they Mm. use, you know, or or the way they creatively change over to or, you know, right. Uh, Just little things like that for some reason, always, uh, they, they always resonated deeply with me. And then uh, Poe, geez, Louise, probably my favorite poem from him is Alone. Mm. I identified with that a lot as a kid. Um, and so because I identified with that, I, I think I voraciously consumed everything else he put out, even, even uh, his stories. I think I've actually read every single thing he's ever written. Uh, Emily Dickinson, Close To. I actually just bought a book. Uh, yesterday actually from this local uh, bookstore where she had written on uh, like envelopes of crap. It's like the, it's pictures of the scraps of writing that her estate still had. Um, And so I'm going through that right now. I I think that's, uh, uh, that's, I I don't know. They've just always really, really resonated with me and modern poetry. Not so much. I bought a, a book once, uh, it's like, uh, outlaw poetry or something like that. And, uh, uh even in the foreword, they talk about how Bukowski isn't in it, uh, yeah. even though he should be, but he refused to be. Um, and so, you know, so I've, I've tried to start getting into the, uh, more modern poetry. Yeah. Um, but I, I still believe that the, the more classical writing is, uh, Personally, I, I just prefer that. I know, I know there's a lot of people that probably don't, um, but I, I think it's uh, it's still. I, well, I read a poem about that too. I, I think it's actually the same poem that I mentioned the two people that I am not terribly fond of because they're right. commercial writers, uh, and I say something along the lines of, uh, "It's not poetry because it's poetical to you." Right, um, which can be a little uh, probably condescending. I'm, I'm sure people probably take it that way. Um, but I, I believe in the definition of poetry that it has to have rhyme or meter, and if it lacks one of those, it's not poetry, it's prose. Um, and not to take away from that because there's some very strong prose out there, sure. Um, uh, but but that's how I. Personally, that's how I interpret it, and that's not to denigrate anybody who writes that way. Um, but that—that's how I interpret it.
0: No, I've, I find that fascinating because um, you're making points that, and I, this is hardly a—I haven't canvassed the entire veteran poet community for this, but in, in my experience, just talking to people, I haven't heard anybody give, for lack of a better word, an academic answer like that, or and, and set academic criteria. Uh, about poetry um, in the veteran community. And I guess that makes me first think, how educated are you with poetry? Have you, is this, are you self-taught? Did you take courses on it? Um, Because even the fact that you're into classic poets and you're going and you care about rhyme and meter, you know, and that those stand out to you and that and that that means something to you, you definitely are taking a path that is less traveled because that's what puts most, people off, I think, of starting to write poetry. They're like, oh, shit, I don't want to get into all that. I don't know how to count that stuff. I don't know how to measure that. But you're embracing that, and that actually appeals to you and all that. So just talk a little bit about your education with poetry and and what that's looked like.
1: Uh, Actually, super limited. I took a creative writing class in high school, probably the only uh, class I've actually taken that would do anything uh, to that end. Um, but then go back to being a voracious reader when I was a kid, yeah. when I when I had the time. Uh I've read geez, uh just about everything. All of Poe, all of Dickinson, most of Tennyson, Tennyson,
0: yeah. uh who else? Um, I'm blanking on Did you do Kipling? Did you go through Kipling?
1: Uh, not as much as you as think, much. actually. Okay. Um, but if, if it's a classical poet, I've probably read them, uh, have opened myself up to some more modern poetry. I was, I was looking at potentially getting in a, uh, uh, class at, uh, Colorado state university, uh, for a master's of fine arts and creative writing. Um, and you know, I bought the book from one of the teachers and it was, uh, I, I couldn't, couldn't get into it. Um, oh. a very exceptionally modern poetry um that was uh difficult to resonate i guess is is what, what it boils down to for me is uh, is what resonates and what resonates typically has rhyme or meter and not all of my stuff does either right uh so that's not uh it's not to say you can't write in other fashion mm. but uh the the ones that will always mean the most to me um They have that flow, Um, and from other writers too, like the uh, Phil at Live American Yogi. He's got some unbelievable poetry um, that has great uh, both rhyme and meter. Um, You know, just some really, really great poets out there. Um,
0: Well, it's funny because you know there's that old saying that you know to write a book, you should have read like a thousand books, you know, in order to write one book. Uh, and, that, and that's somehow a ratio for it, but it seems like you're essentially applying that in poetry. You've read a lot and you know what it takes to move you. And so, you know, what right looks like for you when you're writing and you know what you, what's really going to move the needle for you.
1: That is a very, very excellent way of putting it. Um, that, yeah, I definitely know what right looks like for me. Um and again, that's not to take away from what Wright looks like to other people. Sure, right? sure, sure. It's, ev- right. Everybody's got their own flavor that they enjoy. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely know what Wright looks like for me almost immediately.
0: And it seems—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm kind of extrapolating a little bit, but it seems like you gravitated towards the classics because your love of Poe when you were a kid is kind of what—that was your gateway drug. Into yeah. all the other poets of that time, right? So that was right. kind of just naturally where you went. That's super interesting, and, and that's incredibly rare. I think, uh, kind of like you were hinting at, I think so many people nowadays write poetry because they've read some Bukowski or William Burroughs, or you know, there's there's something about that. I, and I think there's something about that that appeals to the veteran poetry community because we all like the shaggy, world weary you know, kind of look like beatniks, but on steroids yeah. that also can, you know, <laughs> you know, do clean and jerks, you know? So, yeah. so there's, there's something about that that kind of, it's like, Oh yeah, if I'm going to be the artist warrior, then yeah, I, I, this, this is the kind of vibe I'm trying to go for. And yeah. people aren't going to go with like Emily Dickinson per se. You <laughs> right. know, um, it doesn't really fit <laughs> the aesthetic. So, um, so it's, but that's a really interesting, um, I, I just find y- y- what turns you on to be incredibly interesting. Yeah. Um, what does that look like then for your poetry when, I, I guess, and I there's kind of no great way to ask this, but what's the voice in your head when you sit down to write? Is it an experience? Is it something somebody said, like a prompt or like a real life prompt too? like, it might be like, oh, somebody said this today and it really stuck in my ass and I really want to write this and, and get this off my chest. Um or is it the classics? Is it that man? I read this poem and it really moved me, and I I want to fuck with the form a little bit. I want to see what that does. Like, what is it um, generally? Do you find that uh, is in your head when you put pen to paper?
1: Honestly, it's uh, it's probably most often a prompt, um, and whether that prompt is in written form or verbal, um, someone has said something, or I have I have read something that. Uh, resonated in some way that I, I kind of peeled that apart. So I I do a weird game, uh, when I'm in briefings, um, where somebody will say a word, uh, a difficult word. I I can't think of one Mm -hmm. off the top of my head, but difficult to rhyme. I mean, and so I'll take that word. And as I'm listening to them, I'll, I'll figure out all the ways that I can rhyme that word. Uh, and the, the weirdest things can come out of that. So like, uh, uh, my wife and I were talking, this is going to sound really crazy, but we were talking about suicide the other day, not not
0: us. Not sorry. together. You're right. <laughs> I right. got you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh,
1: for some reason, uh, that stuck in my head and I ended up writing uh, I, something completely different. I wrote one of those uh, children's poems uh, about a dog that gets peanut butter stuck on the roof of its mouth. Um, and, and so it, it takes the weirdest Uh, it it just flows and and moves in the weirdest ways that, that uh, I, you know, I don't really expect. Um, But yeah, it's normally a prompt um, that I'm like, Oh man, that's cool. And my head starts building something. And then I go to, I go to write it and it could be, like I just said, a poem about a dog getting peanut butter stuck to the roof of his mouth.
0: How many poems do you have in development? Let's call it. At, at, at any given time? Are you always juggling like 15, 20 poems or is it, no, I'm one until I'm done with it?
1: Uh, I, I would say I'm juggling about 50 at any given time. Um, wow. I have a considerable amount of, um, thoughts and ideas that, uh, I'll go ahead and say it. I didn't say it earlier, but one of them is, uh, to make a poem about, uh, instead of Salvador Dali, it's the Salvador deli, because I thought, oh man, that would be such a clever restaurant to open at the Salvador deli. Um, so now I'm writing one of those kids poems about, gotcha. uh, you know, That's what funny. kind of sauce you put on the sandwich and, and it, anyway, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you, bear, I, you
0: bear some nerdy kids in there that, that are going to appreciate yeah. that.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I've quite a bit, uh, quite a bit in development. So and it
0: could start just like that you know got you well uh, so and then if you have that many i mean that's that really is a shocking amount and i meant to kind of stop and 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 note that before when you said yeah sometimes i'll come back from work and you know knock out six or 12 poems or something like that i was like jesus christ i mean that's that's prolific that's a lot of work i mean i guess so i i guess for me like if i'm working on stuff there's one i got to dream about there's one that when i'm sleeping it's got it's going to be in my head and that's what's going to get worked on the next day because it it's it's just that's where the subconscious is working so i guess for you i mean maybe that's not your process but what's in your head when you're sleeping what are you dreaming about what is it that you know is it um is it a poem per se or is it you're just like going all right well we'll see whatever comes out of me tomorrow and it's just catch as catch can it could be a brand new poem it could be adding on to another one what what is it? Uh what are you dreaming about that way?
1: Uh honestly, I I don't actually put a a, a great deal of prior thought into it, I guess wow. is the best way okay. to say it. I, I um I think I wrote one about this. I don't know if I've published it, but uh it's very easy for me to sit down and just have it kind of flow out of me. Um, but if I if I spend too long thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've kind of man, I fall out of love with it because I have overly manufactured it. Um, and so, you know, when I write down these little quips, wh- whatever they may be, you know, one liner, two liner that maybe rhymes, uh, I I'll separate myself from them for quite some time before I go back to them, just to make sure I'm not, I'm not forcing it like the Salvador deli. Yeah. One, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like I, I gotta make sure that, you know, it just stays in there bouncing around my head, and eventually I'm going to figure out how to, how to make that work. And it, it will just happen. Um, and then, you know, I, just like every writer does, I, obviously I review it. I don't just, you know, bleed on the paper and then right. post.
0: Right, um, right. 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 So,
1: you know, you got to make sure you didn't misspell something. There's not some crazy tangential thing that nobody's going to understand, sometimes I actually enjoy putting that in poetry just to see if people catch it. No, totally. Um,
0: Yeah. 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 So that's, that's a fun one. What, what would, um, what's your drop dead criteria for knowing that you're ready to publish it? Is it just a gut feeling?
1: I, yeah, I think it's just a gut feeling. And typically, um, I, and maybe this is, uh, maybe Instagram has done this to me. Um, but I think I know I'm ready to publish it when I can, visualize what should accompany it um so it obviously i've got a lot of pictures uh in my poetry it's not just you know black and white words on a page um which again not taking away from that uh sometimes that's what you need i actually wrote one it's like five things long on instagram um that's just black and white words on a page because of what i was saying i, I didn't want to take away from the message um but yeah when uh when I feel compelled to have a a specific picture in my mind um, that I want to accompany the work, I I think that's when I know I'm ready to, to post it.
0: I want to go back a little bit into the biographical um, because there's, there's, I mean, I've skipped over a whole lot of stuff and I want to make sure I don't Um, when you kind of, let's call it, went on hiatus from writing. Did you think you would ever get back to writing? Was it were, were there ever moments where you're like, I am conscious that I am withholding part of myself or I'm ignoring part of myself and I know I will get back to it? Or were you like, no, I'm the army's going to be a career and we'll see where I am then? I'm not losing sleep over it. I don't feel unfulfilled. I'm I'm doing, I, I'm I'm completely satisfied with where I'm at. Um, which of the uh, which, if if either of those were an option, which one was it, or or was it something else that was going through your
1: mind? No, I I think I definitely had my moments throughout my career where, um, you know, I I wanted to write. I actually, you know, I've off and on picked up journaling, um, you know, just because I I was compelled to put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I definitely had my moments, um, but I I think I. Uh, I, I do believe I I intentionally uh closed that off um so that I could focus on you know, being a more professional soldier.
0: So I'm gonna ask you a question I asked Luke Ryan. Um and and it's it's something I had felt, um, which is why I ask it. And if I'm projecting myself into your situation, I, I would have asked myself this as well. Um, but it's a weird question. Mm-hmm. Um Being that you've had multiple combat deployments and you've been in the shit, was there ever a moment that went through your mind where you're like, if something happens to me and I don't make it out of this, obviously that's going to suck for a number of reasons, but it's also going to suck because there's going to be writing I don't get done. There's going to be stories I have not told. There's going to be things that people should have fucking heard from me that they will never hear. Was there ever that? Did that thought ever cross your mind? Absolutely.
1: Uh, I have and I, I think that's why go back to the true name thing. Um I think that's why I'm so compelled to put myself out there now, right? Like even if even if nobody ever reads my crap until you know a hundred years from now, uh I really don't care. But I like I want it out there, you know. I want um, and not not for self, to be honest. because um, when you die that's it right
0: like it right right right
1: but i i just exactly what you said i i feel like i have stuff to say and it needs to get out there one of the weird things i do um i have a reckless amount of books um and as i read them i you know i write notes in them you know what i'm feeling what i'm thinking sometimes that can turn into poetry sometimes you know it it's just it's what it is but i'll write in the book uh, under the hopes that at some point, you know, when, uh, my great grandchildren are going through great grandpa's junk, right. They're uh-huh. reading yeah. what, what I felt at the time for some reason, uh, for some reason that's important to me to capture, uh, my feeling or emotion at a, at a space and time and, and put it out there. And if it, it, if it's not accepted, I honestly, I'm, I'm good with that, but I, I am definitely compelled to to put my truest self out there,
0: and I guess l- let me hone in on specifically when you're down range, when you were downrange mm-hmm. and and what that meant um did that clarify for you did those moments of going no, I, god damn, I know I'm not writing now, but if some, but if I never get these words out, whatever's going on here, you know and whatever how whatever form it ends up taking down the road, if that never gets out. I'm gonna feel I'll feel like my life was unrequited. Something didn't didn't really get out and get appreciated the way it needed to. Did that clarify for you that I'm a writer at the, am I at the core of my soul? I'm a writer. There's something that needs to get out of me and come hell or high water if it's sixty. if it's after having two retirements and all that. I have to get back to writing because that's just. That's just going to be the natural evolution of my whole life. I have to be able to tell all this stuff. Did that clarify? Did that? Am I am I articulating this for the first time, or did you have that those kind of thoughts as well?
1: No, I yeah, I definitely had those thoughts as well. That I I I think I've always identified more than anything as a writer. Uh, all I would say, almost a writer first, and not at the you know not at the cost of family, fatherhood, sure, uh, sure, my religion. Um, but like, as a human being, if I had to define myself, I wouldn't say soldier. I wouldn't say any of these other things I would, and I might not even say writer. I would say poet. Um, as a matter of fact, the very first tattoo I got is, is old English. You can't even read it anymore. Um, but it's poet, uh, because I knew even if I never get another tattoo, even if, um, you know, even if people make fun of me for it, cause I was a little worried about that. Um, like I will always be this thing, and I so I'm okay permanently putting it on my body. Um yeah, uh, yeah, so I uh, yeah, deep down, I've always, uh I've always known I would do this somehow, um and just hope it gets out there with uh, any amount of longevity.
0: It's really fascinating to me I mean a lot of your answers have been fascinating to me because because it's not how I've thought um, so it's just interesting to hear this but it, um that you are a partisan poet I mean you are like hey'm I'm, I'm a poet like not just a writer but specifically a poet and that that form has meant that much to you and I I guess I mean I know I asked this in a before but I'm gonna ask it try to ask it in a different way I guess um about why poetry itself, turns you on so much. Um, what, and, and especially in, in juxtaposition to any other form of writing Like you're not tempted to go, yeah, you know, let me take this story or this idea I'm dicking around with and maybe turn this into a short story. Like mm-hmm. I'm not hearing that I'm hearing. No, no, no. I'm you're going deeper and deeper into poetry and trying to trying to, try to mine that why
1: I like the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I, uh, the speed, I guess, I, I like uh, the ability to consume a very broad subject very quickly, um, and to be able to distill things down to their, you know, their truest form, and then you put that out there. Um, it takes a lot to be a great storyteller, so I, I don't want to take away from that at all. Um, like I said, I love Ray Bradbury. I loved Michael Crichton when I was a kid. Um, you know, I, I love to read long form writing as well. Um, but I, there's just something that really resonates with me about, you know, four to five stanzas that tell an entire story. Um, and, you know, something you can memorize, too, I guess, is huh. probably right. Like, it, it's so succinct that if you wanted to you could carry that with you all the time that you know two to three stanzas um and you know some of them are way longer like if right Right. um but plenty of people have memorized if and it tells an entire important story um so yeah I, i just uh i like the the ability to to capture it and hold it um to display it in a very short form, like, uh, like, uh, this, mm. I don't know if you can see it. Remember to breathe. Oh yeah. Right. God. Yeah, like yeah, what a yeah. brilliant yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, and I, I just, I like that. The, the excitement of, uh, something that is powerful, but, uh, quick, like retainable, uh, it's something that moves you in minutes. I, I love
0: that. I love that description. <laughs> yeah, something that moves you in minutes. That, I, I think that's, that's brilliantly said. Um, that, that makes a ton of sense. And it's funny because I think the answer I've heard a lot, especially from veteran poets um, or people new to poetry, which seems to be mostly veterans now, is that, well, it's quick. It's a quick yeah. flash to bang. You know, and yeah. I'm having these emotions, and I can put them on paper, and, and it just it's it's right there, it's immediate. There's there's a little bit of instant gratification, um, and it helps me hone a voice. But what I love is what you're bringing out the um, the richness of it as well, and that also that there is craft behind it that it's not simply vomiting something onto a page, and because you only put two words on a line, and then put some funky spacing in there that doesn't make it a poem, but it is actually there, there is actually form to that function.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And there's uh, you know, there's some poets uh, and I'm definitely not going to say their names because th- this would come across as, as very rude. Um, But, you know, I followed them for a while. I kind of struggled with uh, their poetry. I, I enjoyed the, the visuals that they produced, but I couldn't, I just couldn't really get behind it and feel it enough. And then I heard this guy read his own poem. Mm. And th- so the way he read it completely changed the poem for me, completely changed the poem. It's actually one of my favorite poems now. Wow! Um, but, uh, it, you know, so I try to, I try very hard when I'm reading other people's stuff to, to remove as much bias as I can especially, um, non-vet poets. Like at most, I think I would connect with virtually every single vet poet, no matter how they write, because I can connect with the experience, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but, uh, other people, the more commercial, uh, audience or, uh, writers, pardon me. I, I do try very hard to, um, digest what they're trying to put out and separate myself from the bias of, you know it's not poetry because it doesn't rhyme or whatever
0: yeah um, yeah, and, yeah and
1: so it's opened uh it's opened my eyes a bit uh it's helped me craft some stuff that uh i probably would have never uh, i would have never even spent the time to craft so i enjoy that the original poem um where i'm talking shit about other writers which i don't know <laughs> if i ever should have published that but you know it's out there so whatever um but the original poem, uh, instead of the first name it said, it actually said Bukowski. And ironically, I've turned around and fallen in love with Bukowski. Like, yeah, sure, sure. A lot of his writing uh, resonates. Some of it doesn't, some of it's just straight,
0: it's just words on paper.
1: But right. uh, he, he has some stuff that, whew, like the, uh, I'm going to forget the name of it, but it's something of the crowd. Uh, I'm
0: I'm not researched enough with Bukowski to know oh, it off my head. It's phenomenal, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's yeah,
1: it's it's like the voice, it's violence of the crowd. Huh. Violence, something like that. Oof, phenomenal.
0: I can hear um, Bukowski fans listening to this just screaming it right now. And we're both sitting here and I don't even know it. And you're fumbling for the word, and there's like you right. fucking idiots. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. how dare you? Yeah, I know. Um Well, but no, you know, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I was thinking when you're saying that, I wonder if we'll all, and by we, I mean, veteran poets, not me, but I mean, those that are veteran poets will still connect with other veteran poets when the, when veteran poetry matures. And, and I guess, and when veteran poets mature, when they're not so, when they haven't just gotten out when they're down the road a little bit maybe some of them have gotten married maybe some of them have had more kids maybe some have found a good relationship maybe some of them, you know bought a house and life isn't you know uh as rough and raw um or they're feeling better the meds are working or legal pot is working or whatever you know and, and just stuff is stuff is more mellowed out and everybody still keeps writing but now they're going down different avenues and they're talking about different things i wonder if veteran poets will still I'm just interested. I don't have an answer to this, but I just I'm curious to see, like, if we're all still like, oh yeah, or if we're going. I don't get it. I I don't know, man. You're living a life I can't relate to now.
1: Honestly, I hope so. Uh, I go back to the whatever the quip is called. It's a hundred loyal fans or a thousand loyal fans. I, you know, if I follow someone, I'd I'd, like I fall in love with them, right? And I, I just I want to consume everything they're putting out, even. Even as it grows and changes, right? Uh, mm-hmm. A great example of that is uh, obviously a very well-known poet, uh, but Leo Jenkins, oh, right? Sure. His uh, uh, God, yeah. his newest book. Um, he actually has a poem in there, which uh, again I can't remember the title. I'm sorry, I'm butchering it, I'm not more prepared. But he's got a poem in there where he talks about uh, not being able to sell his poetry because it rhymes, and I just, I just thought that was beautiful and. Uh, You know, it's like uh, he talks about uh, the blue hue on his skin, talking about his tattoos. Yeah, I thought that was a beautiful uh, analogy. I actually ended up using that in one of my poems as a a homage to him, I guess. But yeah, and so I even buy the books that he just writes in, or like like he said, Brian, right? I want to, I want desperately to support the veteran community. I I actually. I say that to people all the time vets helping vets. Right. Right. Um, so I like, I'm wearing i uh, I'm wearing the manifest your chill shirt right now. Oh yeah. Right? From, uh, <laughs> from live American Yogi. I, I buy hats from softly. I buy silkies from live American Yogi. I, I buy books from Luke Ryan, Leo Jenkins, dead reckoning
0: collective, the uh, key, well, I think the support, yeah. the support is deaf. I, I can see vets continuing to support each other. I'm just wondering if, if we'll all still, you know, I think there's a lot of head nodding when we mm. read poems now and we go, oh yeah, that you captured that. Oh yeah, you got that. Oh, I know that feeling. Oh, I can relate to this. And I just wonder as, as I, I wonder, and I guess it's a commentary on war and the nature of being a veteran itself, how much that continues to bond you to people when it's been when you've been a veteran longer than you've been in the service or when it's been a lot further away that all you know, all those experiences are much further away and your interests start to diversify and and we'll still support each other, but I wonder I wonder if there'll be the same recognition of uh, and, and I guess I guess there can't be because everybody's gonna have their own individual lives. But it's just interesting to me like how um, what that's gonna look like as the community matures. And as the individuals mature and get older and, you know, have different experiences.
1: I think I wouldn't be surprised if some of these people end up being like poet laureates or something. I'm not even kidding. You know, no, I'm
0: not, I wouldn't be surprised either.
1: Yeah. So I, I would really like to see, I would like to see that. I would like to see people grow beyond, um, the singular thing that defines us. Um, and it would be, uh, unbelievably intriguing to me to, to see how those other people grow. Yeah. So I, I would hope that people follow in as much as they can. Obviously, you know, if somebody goes from poetry to, you know, golf, right. And you, and you don't watch golf, right. Like you're right. that Person's going to fade away. Cause I'm, I'm not going to suddenly get into golf because you know, <laughs> this guy who used to be a poet is now going for his green <laughs> jacket or
0: whatever <laughs> so. turn of the puckered ball parsing <laughs> yeah. through the, the short grass oh i'm right there with you i yeah. moved deeply moved yeah no uh, it, it's it, it's interesting and, and i mean these are first world problems i mean this is and and it's not even a problem it's it's just a the nature of a diversified life of of, of you know the variety of life people is, are going to do different things do you think that you can be happy and write poetry
1: I, yeah, I do. But I think the, the tone changes quite a bit. So I, I, and that's a very good point. I think as people find they're happy, whatever that looks like for them, I think, I think some of those people will fade away. They'll stop writing, but I, in a weird way, I think that's kind of a beautiful thing to, to just kind of disappear after you've processed what you need to process. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, I think. That's yeah, talk something.
0: about forcing it. Like, there's yeah. something to be said for like hanging on no matter what. And like, well, I'm supposed to be writing, you know. And it's like, yeah, but you, you haven't had anything, you know. You're, there's nothing left. Like, you like, you're right. done. You, you got it. It's interesting. That's that used to be um, what I heard referred to as the Malibu syndrome of screenwriters that would come up, and you know, they're driving taxi cabs in L.A. and they're living these hard scrabble lives, and then you get your script sold. And now you can move to Malibu, and suddenly you're like, I'm on the beach. I mean, I can have surf and turf every day, and I'm looking at dolphins, and I got an awesome house, and I got cool neighbors. And now suddenly the studio comes to you and says, all right, we want you to write this this cop story set in inner city Detroit. And you're like, yeah, yeah, totally. I'm down for it. And you're sitting there going, I don't know. I have no idea where, you know, like it's just too detached. Yeah, I can't um, write
1: gritty anymore. (laughs) I can't write gritty. You know,
0: then you're writing your golf movie. That's where the Mm -hmm. golf movie comes. You know, yeah. Um, But it's but it's it will be interesting to see how how the community matures with that. For you, do you ever anticipate writing anything that's not poetry? Could you see yourself doing that? I
1: I would like to think I could challenge myself to do that. Yeah, you know, when I think of myself, I think purely as a poet, to be honest but I would, I would like to think I would have the uh, capability or technical skill to write something beyond just poetry. I, I, I feel like that would be nice, but um, ultimately if I'm known as just a poet, I'm, I'm cool with that, but it, it would be, I think it'd be fun to write like a nonfiction historical book just to sit down and do all that research and, you know, put something out there that maybe nobody's ever read before. Uh, I feel like that would be, an insane amount of fun. I love research, and I obviously, because of the kind of job I have, I like to to consume and collect information. So I think I could really enjoy that. I could really enjoy writing a sci-fi, I think, which is funny because i I would never identify myself as somebody who likes sci-fi, but that's what I prefer to read and what I prefer to watch. So I, I don't know why I don't identify like that, but, uh, um, yeah, I could, I could enjoy writing sci-fi. I think the the challenge there, uh, and maybe the one thing that might stop me as embarrassing as it might be to admit, is is fear, right? Like you, mm-hmm. that's a lot of time to invest in a thing. Yep. That that could potentially be universally hated, uh, or, I think or never why. happen, or never get finished, and, or, or yeah, you know, never even yeah.
0: High in limbo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, we'll see as I get older and have uh, more and more free time, we'll see where life takes me.
0: Where are you weak now as a writer? When you look, is there something that you're going, ah, you know, this is a hill I got to climb and I haven't totally climbed it yet. There's something gnawing at me.
1: I've, I feel like I need to read more. Um, I, I don't have the time to do as much reading as I would like to. And, and like you said about the read a thousand books to write one. Right. So I would definitely like to read more. I would definitely like to be more consistent. You know, I I need to find a way to create time on a daily basis without feeling, you know, so without it feeling sterile, without it feeling like I'm forcing myself to do something. So I I definitely need to work on that because that's more of a mindset than a it's not an actual hindrance. It's just a mindset that I struggle to get beyond. Um, and if, and if I could get beyond it, I I'm sure I would have a considerable amount more of uh, poetry written. Uh, and then the, says the no, guy
0: with fifty poems in, in the <laughs> hopper. But okay, yeah, I'll take your word for it. Yeah,
1: and and then uh, you know the whole free verse thing.
0: I don't
1: like uh, having a personal bias, so I I challenge myself not only to read it um, but to write it, and I have quite a bit of it written too. Learning to be okay with it learning to accept it as its own unique version of art whether it really moves me the way my other stuff does or not but putting it out there but for the same reason I started writing that perhaps this thing that I might not be violently in love with might be that one thing that that helps somebody mm-hmm. it might you know it might be the phrase that sticks in their head one of the things I I do is uh, I call dad's advice um, and so that's kind of like my prose type stuff. And I I actually do genuinely enjoy that, hoping, you know, my kids read it, other kids read it, yeah. maybe didn't have a good enough father figure. And yeah, so I yeah, challenging myself to to not just write things that rhyme and things
0: that gotcha. Yeah. Sure. What about you personally? Is there a part of yourself that you're like, I really haven't mind that? I haven't mined those experiences or that headspace. Is there any part of you that, because I mean, obviously you get a lot of things, you're writing a lot of poetry. You're very prolific, um, despite how you downplay it like that. And, and it does seem like you covered a lot of emotions, but is there something that you're still like, you yeah, haven't gotten to that yet?
1: Uh, yeah. A lot of my childhood, I, uh, I had a insanely rough childhood. We were, uh, you know, we were poor. There's just no nice way to say it. We were, really poor so a lot of hard work a lot of uh you know we had a garden that was probably over an acre acre and a half that we manually planted manually weeded then we canned all that food um you know uh, under the fear of potentially not having enough food for to get through winter if you didn't work that hard and probably like five, six acre yard that we mowed and raked. Like we raked the entire yard by hand because we would take all of the uh, grass clippings, put them on top of newspaper in between the rows of all the food we're growing to keep the weeds down.
0: Oh, and wow. then you would
1: walk across that to, to weed around the plants. And so, yeah, I, I, I did write a poem about it. I'm not sure if I ever published it. It was actually one of the first things it might actually be the first poem that I wrote dead reckoning collective did a prompt and it was to talk about childhood. And I talked about how you know, my childhood was, uh, you know, crazy manual labor. And, uh, you know, working since I was six out in my own yard garden, then I got my first job when I was 14. um, And, you know, been working ever since. So there's a lot of rough and tumble. A lot of rough and tumble things I could write about. I had a uh, a real bad spell in uh, who I was as a human being. And uh, mm. what I chose to invest my time in when I was like 15 to probably 17, maybe 18. So when I have put this life behind me, and I can speak more freely about, you know, when I don't have a clearance to worry about. Yep. Yep. I, yep. I, I yep. have some extra stuff I can expose.
0: But, so <laughs> Do you so, yeah. have a poly left? Do you? Is there one more poly that they got to give you? Oh no! Thank God. You done. Like, okay. Yeah. God. yeah. God. Oh my lord. Um, listen, brother, you've been beyond generous with your time. I know it's Sunday, and I know you're 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 not off the clock yet. So so this is <laughs> precious time. Um, this has been a blast. Uh, I'm absolutely I, to be continued. Um, I really stay in touch. I'd, I'd love to talk more about this. But, um, God, man, so much fun to hear about. And, uh, I, I can't wait to see what other stuff you're churning out and what the future holds for you.
1: Absolutely. I I can't thank you enough for having me. This has definitely been a blast.
0: My pleasure, man. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Take care. That was the Savage Wonder of SP Burke. You've been listening to Savage Wonder, the podcast for warriors and artists and a production of the Veterans Repertory Theater. Opinions expressed do not represent anything or anyone other than the speaker. As always, you can check out what's going on with us at vetrep.org. Again, that's vetrep.org, V-E-T-R-E-P.org. If you like the written word, if you love reading fiction, poetry, creative nonfiction, subscribe to the Savage Wonder Literary Blog. Pretty much the easiest way to do that is to go to vetrep.org. Go to our Now Playing tab. Scroll down, and you'll see the opportunity to check out our literary blog, and you can subscribe from there. You can always find us at Substack at our savagewonder.substack.com. But generally speaking, vetrep.org is our one-stop shop, our smorgasbord, our clearinghouse for you to access every line of effort that we're doing. So, for example, this podcast. If you want to subscribe, subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Subscribe at Podbean where we're at savagewonder.podbean.com or go to vetrep.org, go to our Now Playing tab, scroll down, click on the podcast, and it'll take you to, I think it takes you to Podbean, and then you can sign up there. So that's always the easiest way to go about doing everything. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would love a five-star review. Um, You can say whatever you want to us. Any kind of feedback is always welcome. But if you could attach it to a five-star review, that would be outstanding. Any other feedback you'd like to give us that you don't want to give us on iTunes um, or if you're not listening to us on iTunes, follow us on social. Uh, On Facebook, we're at Veterans Repertory Theater. Again, that's Veterans Repertory Theater. I know nobody knows how to spell repertory. It's R-E-P-E-R-T-O-R-Y, and theater is spelled E-R, not R-E. So at Veterans Repertory Theater on Facebook. And on Twitter or on Instagram, we are at Vet Rep Theater. So at Vet Rep Theater on Twitter or Instagram. Please give us a follow. We'd love your feedback. Stay in touch with us. That's another great place to always find out what we're doing. And if you don't know how to access any of that, don't worry. You can find all those links at VetRep.org. So as again, VetRep.org is probably the best place to go to see what's going on with us. If you want to submit your work to Veterans Repertory Theater or to our literary blog, Go to vetrep.org. You'll see the submissions tab. Click on it. It will give you all the opportunities, all the information you need to submit either to the Savage Wonder Literary Blog, to either of our playwriting competitions that we have going on right now. Again, just a reminder, full-length playwriting competition, the winner gets ten thousand dollars 10 Ten-minute playwriting competition, the winner gets $1,000, and then the prizes scale down accordingly from there. But um, they're great opportunities, so... If you're into playwriting or if you're not into playwriting, but you'd like to be, go ahead and submit. The current playwriting competitions end on December 31st. The next one begins on January 1st. So whenever you're ready to submit, we will have a competition open and available for you to enter. As always, thanks to our producer, Mike Neal. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer on behalf of the Veterans Repertory Theater. See you next time when we'll dive further into the savage wonder of it all.